want to learn about random stuff. Thanks, tiny computer. Thanks, tiny computer. Thanks, tiny computer. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. That's Sheridan. And that's Taryn. Welcome to Thanks, Tiny Computer. Today's an exciting episode as we have our first official guest. Clap, 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 clap. And it is Devin Vin. Oh, are we saying his last name? It's I Devin. Mean, Devin. Just Devin. He's a man of mystery. Yeah, he is definitely a man of mystery. You'll never know what his real last name is. He's the creator of another podcast called Code Life Balance. He's a software developer and my lovely, amazing husband. And my brother-in-law. Welcome. And you'll be able to find my last name if you look at the other podcast. It's <laughs> listed on there, I believe. Oh, so we should have just probably said his last name. <laughs> it's fine. How's your week going? My week? My week Both is, of you. Um, yeah, okay, I can talk. Uh, my week is going pretty well. How about you, Sheridan? <laughs> Passing it over so quickly. Uh, my week's been fine. It's Wednesday. I'll just go ahead and say it. Tomorrow's my birthday. <gasps> so, but whenever this is released, it will have been yesterday. Yeah. So... I'm excited for my birthday, I guess. I don't really care about birthdays. So people, however you're supposed to get back in touch with this podcast, be sure to send birthday wishes to Sheridan through Instagram, Facebook, uh, direct mail. We're um, not We're not on Facebook. We're um, too woke for that. We're young and hip. Okay, cool. Find me on TikTok. I'm just kidding. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys chat with each other on Discord? Oh, uh, you can find me on my Zanga and my MySpace. <laughs> And, <laughs> and LinkedIn my, and my blog spot. Have you even heard of Discord? No, it's what all the kids are using. So that's why. Oh that's no! Great. Wait. I'm still left in the dust. Well, Devin just aged me. I guess tomorrow I'll be in my early 30s. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big deal in the last podcast. So, what what's been going on this week? So I really wanted to start by talking about a friend of the pod who commented on. A post on our Instagram about episode four where I talked about the common phrases. Uh-huh. And her Instagram name is Jess Yado or Yadu. So, but we'll just call her Jess. She's a friend. She commented and said, I have another one for y'all to research for Pete's sake. Who is Pete and why are we talking about his sake? <laughs> so, I did a really quick little search and found out that the phrase essentially uses Pete. As a substitute for God or Christ. And it's an expression of annoyance or frustration. So the switch to Pete makes the phrase more socially acceptable. But they're still technically putting his name in vain, right? I guess so. But it's like it's like gosh dang it, right? Exactly. Gosh darn it, dang it, I dang nabbit. When people say crap, you know, it's just to be less offensive, I suppose. I mean Christ, Christians have to curse too. They got to find a good way to do it. And but also, wasn't Pete like Saint Peter, right? So I mean, That's, I was going to say the same thing. Is that oh, that sounds logical? So, Jess, we looked it up. Thanks, we, Jess. We used our tiny computer and we figured it out. You can say it. You're not being offensive to anybody. You're just, <laughs> gosh darn it, for Pete's sake. <laughs> so that was really important to me. I love that she commented and wanted to know another phrase so i hooked her up by the way i wondered why you didn't refer to those as idioms during the podcast oh your your phrases well when i looked it up on my tiny computer it said common phrases or idioms (laughs) 
Listen, if you guys I'm here are to make you feel stupid. If you're worried about it, why don't you make your own blog spot about it? I do have a blog spot. You do? Yeah, it's like 15 or 17 years old. I've been I it's, my first post was like 2003 or 5 something. I like love that. that. I used to have one too. I really wish I could remember how to find it. It'd be so interesting. It's blogger.com. Devin, have you been doing anything fun this week? Um you tell me, Taryn. Um, yeah, as if you don't know. Well, we spent the weekend apart, so. That's true. Uh, Taryn went to the lake, and I stayed at home and did things while she was gone. You went and saw a fruit show. Juice. Yeah, fruit I saw juice. Fruit Juice. Best band in Tulsa. Maybe so in good. the planet. Yeah. And uh, hung out with my kid, Ren, one night. And while he was enjoying his life, I was enjoying mine and cracking my fingernails at the lake. Aww. And making them bleed everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. I don't, how are they feeling today? As long as I have my <laughs> band-aids on, I'm good. What if those fingers were gone? <laughs> Darren not. did not enjoy that. <laughs> don't you ever do that. Yeah, I got about. a text over the weekend, and it said, your wife hurt herself. That's it. I was like, that's scary. I mean, what's going on? They're drinking at the lake. You Her know? fingers were so badly I, damaged, she couldn't text you herself. That's basically it. And then also, there was a picture of fingers with blood all over them. Uh, she sent me one of them. It was pretty awful. I'm so sorry. I'll post this uh, censored version on social media. It's all pixelated. It's just you can tell it's red. It has a black box over my finger. I love that. One more thing I wanted to talk about. I'll be gone in the dark. Oh my gosh. Taryn and I started it the other night and I had heard about this show, um, of course, through other podcasts that we listen to. Um, and I'm just fascinated by Michelle McNamara as a whole. That Her story alone is fascinating to me. That Any web sleuth I'm like fascinated with. They're just so. I could not. I, the level a, of obsession is is amazing, and it's just cool that they're putting that their OCD into something amazing. <laughs> Definitely, she was just a true crime lover, turned everybody into this literal manhunt for the East Area Rapist, and I'm just. Okay, so like I'm just like a listener right now. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, so sorry. give me a little context. Remember when uh, we were in the other room the other night? Yes. Watching a show <laughs> about a serial rapist? Yes. That's what we're talking about. So it's a I'll Be Gone in the Dark was written by Michelle McNamara. They published it even after she passed away. Her husband, Patton Oswalt, finished it, put all of her things together for her. I'm sure there was other helpers. I don't know their names, though, but... And then they've also turned this into a docuseries on HBO. Oh. So Taryn and I started it. The first episode was heavy. It's going to have to be something we watch in small increments. Because, you layer it with the real housewives. <laughs> right. We had to decompress after with a little bit of trashy women screaming at each other. So I had to go home alone. So I felt <laughs> so much better. I remember now because I said something to you like, don't get something bad happened yeah i don't even want to say the word don't say yeah it. don't repeat it because we had to yell at devin for we a might minute. just bleep him out totally anyways <laughs> i definitely recommend i'll be on the dark just a little heads up that you might need to watch it in small increments and have something to decompress with after but it was it's fascinating and beautiful and their love story <laughs> makes me I cry know. so well devin do you uh when's your next podcast coming out Actually, I don't have a. I have four episodes completed, and the fifth one, I don't really have a guest lined up. I have a couple of people who 
are interested but don't want to do it during COVID. Um, so maybe they're going to have to figure out how to do it remotely, or I'm going to have to find somebody who wants to risk their lives to hang out with me. I, I will. I'll, I'll volunteer myself as tribute. I'll talk about coding. Yeah, it's pretty much a, a, a podcast about coders by coders. But uh, darn it. He doesn't like women. Also, I don't like women. No, that's a joke. I totally love women. He loves women. women. He, he's he loves kidding. Them. It's just a very male-dominant industry. Well, I just want to tell you, Devin, I've been thinking about being an intern also and becoming a coder. Are you for real? Yes, I am for real. I can't believe it. So, like, not everybody wants to get in on the free uh, coding lessons. Yeah, I definitely do. For, he he has three people. Yes. Already. Three boys. But I want mine to be a paid internship. Oh, well, that you have to prove your salt first. <laughs> I think I have. <laughs> prove his salt. <laughs> we love phrases, guys. So I mean idioms. Devin uh, has always kind of had a little dream about starting a coding school. So he just one day started it, and now he has three quote-unquote Sonia-type interns. <laughs> Well, I actually not. I wasn't really trying for the school. I, I just wanted to teach tech savvy kids that, uh, with the hopes of actually turning them into who employees that make money for me, right? So I have like all the selfish uh, motivation. I don't really want a school per se, but at the level where we're at right now, it is kind of a school. Okay, I'll, I'll wait till the school starts, and I'll be your first female student. Yeah, actually, I need a. I need more female people. Yeah, so if you know a female coder in the Tulsa area, yeah, preferably. Get... I mean, they could do it remotely, right? Learning might be hard to do that from afar. We need people of color and females. That's right, because it is a white man industry. It is around here, and maybe apparently it's around that that way, kind of everywhere. So I don't know what's up with that. Because you guys are nerds. Yeah, that might be it. That's probably it. Well, Taryn, would you like to go ahead and start us off with your? Yeah. Your story. I got I got a story for you guys. Yes. So ever since we watched Jojo Rabbit, I have been fascinated about the Hitler youth. <gasps> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had actually never heard of it before. And when I said that, Devin and Jonah or Ren were like, what? You're such an idiot. Uh, um, boys, be nice. But I'm just surprised that it's not in pop culture more often because it's a really creepy thing, but also interesting and a really interesting perspective, too. Definitely. Um, so, had you heard, Sheridan, had you heard of the, the Hitler Youth before? Not. I've never researched it or learned anything about it, but when you said that, I immediately think of Rolf from yeah. Sound of Music. Totally. He was Hitler's youth and he was, he was upset. Like, you know, he didn't know any better, but he was right. I didn't even think about that. And I actually thought about Sound of Music several times while writing this story. The hills are alive with the sound of music. Anyways. But yeah, I think about Rolf. Yeah. Rolf. Well, and <laughs> I'll get into it more later, but the youth were like, they delivered posts and. You kind of see that in Jojo Rabbit yeah, too. Yeah. Okay. So I was. So now we're just going to dive in a little bit more. Perfect. Uh, in 1909, England created the Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scouts became very popular all over the UK and Europe. And Devin, one of the kiddos was in Boy Scouts for a little bit, right? Yeah, it was Wren. It was Wren. Do you have any fond memories about Boy Scouts? Um, yeah, we had, well, it was Cub Scouts, actually. And we went to uh, a camp one time on a retreat, like only one time. And it was me and Wren. And it was... 
uh, really a nice time. I had a really uh, there's a, nice a really cute picture of them at their campsite. I love that you say it was a really nice time, but you also mentioned it was only one time. <laughs> well, uh, interestingly, uh, the other thing about that trip was right when we returned from the trip, um, my ex-wife had been thinking about it all weekend and decided to ask me for a divorce. <gasps> That very weekend, <laughs> I came back from that trip and was told that I need to get a divorce. I'm I'm sorry. I <laughs> sorry you asked. Uh, that was a can of worms I did not mean to open. Well, I had tried like brownies or something. Mom had did tried you? to talk me into it when I was probably in like kindergarten or first grade. How'd that go? I didn't go because I was way too timid and fragile as a child. Like you were so shy as a kid. Well, you know. I'm can a product I, of my raising. Can I tell a little story about my, my childhood Cub Scout? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to ask permission here. <laughs> oh, okay. No permission needed. This okay. is Devin's sub this story. Is, this is, I wanted to, to join the Cub Scouts. They put out a flyer when I was in grade school, and it said, we're all going to meet at the school, at the elementary school I went to, Limestone Elementary in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And uh, it said, be here tonight at like 530. And that was the deal. So I took that flyer home and I thought, I really want to join this. And so I got on my bike and I rode up to the school and there was nobody there. So I just sat outside on the steps for about 15 minutes and nobody ever came. And that was it. That's the end. I never joined. Oh, you didn't know about the initiation in the basement of the school. (laughs) No, I guess not. I guess not. Oh, that story makes my heart break. I feel sad for little Devin. Little bald Devin just sitting there (laughs) crying. Yeah, wearing that's right. The, I've been bald since the time I was a child. He like hand sewed his own Cub Scout outfit <laughs> and everything. Oh, Devin. Okay. Well, so in 1922, the Nazis had started their own youth group to recruit and train boys for their paramilitary. When Hitler came into full power in 1933, the Hitler Youth was already up to 50,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And by the end of the year, it was up to 2 million. Oh my gosh. It's like he had a little cloning machine or something. By 1936, Hitler had banned all other youth groups, including the Boy Scouts, and basically forced the youth of Germany to join the Hitler Youth. That's some good brainwashing skills he had. Yeah. Forcing these children to join and banning all other youth groups sent a chilling message to people in the community. Because kids who didn't join or parents who wouldn't let their kids join got in big trouble. So it's follow orders or suffer the consequences. So do you, in Jojo Rabbit, that's kind of the main character and his mom. She's, not to give any spoilers away, but she's totally great with him being in it. Yeah. And then you find out more info later, but. Yeah. Okay. Um, With no other scouting groups for adolescents, it really pushed even the unwilling into Hitler's youth. Schools would even assign essays to children who didn't join uh, with directions. Or you had to write an essay about why I'm not in the Hitler Youth. Oh, sorry. I said that all messed up. That's very bully-ish. Some teachers in schools would even refuse to give their graduates diplomas. No. If parents are... That's (laughs) illegal. Not in Nazi Germany. Uh, if parents refused, they were heavily investigated, and I can only imagine what that entailed. I wonder what it did entail. I'm sure they dumped their whole house upside down. Uh, by 1939, 90% of all German children were in Hitler Youth. There were two branches, one for 10 to 13-year-olds and one for 14 to 17-year-olds. Can you imagine little 10-year-old boys? Just They're too little. They're babies. 
There were, of course, some other reasons why the Nazis were pushing this agenda. Surprise, surprise. Right. They were able to indoctrinate the youth at their most impressionable age. And they were able to alienate them from their parents, some of whom, of course, opposed the regiment, regime. Some of the children even publicly outed their parents. <gasps> oh, my gosh. No. Yeah. That's just... That's got to feel great. You out your mom and dad, and they come and they beat, beat them up in front of you. And you're like, take that, mom and dad, and don't ever tell me to clean my room again. <laughs> I love Hitler. <laughs> I'm sure it was more like murder, but... True, but maybe there, it started out that way with a few light beatings in front of the children. But really, though, I do think that just to, to even brainwash them a little bit further, instead of just straight up killing their parents, they probably did do yeah beating type situations. Though it started out more Boy Scout-like with camping and hiking, the youth group evolved into military training. Part of that military training included weapons training, assault circuits, and basic tactics. They were also getting it drilled into their brain that they should sacrifice themselves for Germany. Uh, you see that so much in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And guess what the girls were doing? The girls were included as well, but they were doing gymnastics and coat drives and oh. ladylike things. The children had almost a religious devotion to Hitler. One of the boys, Alfen Heck, later told the Boston Globe in the 80s that I belong to Hitler, body and soul. Ugh, creepy. It took him years to get out of that indoctrination, and I just, brainwashing is really creepy. It's so creepy. It kind of reminds me of Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. In a way, like. It definitely is. Is brainwashing even really a thing? Or is brainwashing just you convince somebody of an idea and now they're sold on it? Yeah. Well, when you're 10 years old, I don't think you there's as much convincing. That's true. We're, but we're all indoctrinated, right? I mean, like, we all, we're all indoctrinated as we grow up to believe in what our church believes or what the country, like, that our country is all good or whatever it might be, right? Right. So what's the difference between... It makes me wonder if it's the difference between like a cult and a uh, religion. You know, brainwashing, if you're like, don't agree with it at all, you're like, well, they must have been brainwashed. It sounds so dramatic, but I don't know. I or mean, just... I think with kids, it's more brainwashing. Right. So a kid who has not yet formed their own opinions of the world or what they think is right or wrong, they're going to be so much more impressionable. So yeah, it's not necessarily brainwashing, but there is some degree of brainwashing that's going on if they're willing to rat their own parents out. Next week, you need to like do some googs on brainwashing <laughs> and find out if it's really a thing or not. I'm wondering if it really is. Okay, right, I'm I'm for that. I'm I'll look it up. There were some rebels who took scouting underground. Uh, one of these groups were called the Edelweiss Pirates. Oh, a little pirate! <laughs> I love it. Arr. Yeah. <laughs> But these little badasses were not just cute. <laughs> At one point, there were over 5,000 members, and they attacked the Hitler Youth, fighting them and trying to sabotage their outings. Oh my gosh, what if, though, just being cute was enough, and they defeated Hitler just by being cute? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sounds very Lord of the Flies to me. Uh, they would write... Uh, they would graffiti anti-war statements on town walls and uh, help... The little letters get delivered. God. They were like little post. The pamphlets. They were little postmen. Uh, (laughs) One of their slogans was eternal war on Hitler youth. 
Oh no! <laughs> I mean, it was intense. It's and so the, and they dram- were like Devin just said it is so dramatic. I mean, it's one of the most dramatic points in history. I hope someone makes a movie about this. Wouldn't that be cool? A movie about Hitler Youth versus the other childhood gang that like fought them off. Oh, I was like, do you mean Jojo Rabbit? But I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah. two million versus five thousand. I'm just saying, there's not much to that. Story. Do the math, Devin. I'm sure it's I'm local though. Like in your town, if you had your group, it'd probably you go out to your treehouse, you throw tomatoes at them, you know, stuff like that. Tomato bombs? No, I think it could be a really interesting story. Obviously, they were creating these boys to put them into war, and they had to go in at 17. Though, depending on how long they were in Hitler Youth, they were almost always very excited about getting to go to war. Boys who weren't old enough to go to war were working for the post, they were working for the railroad. And they were sent to help with recovery efforts for bombed German cities. As the war was approaching the end, as the war was approaching the end, the Nazis were getting desperate and were sending even younger and more inexperienced boys to the front line. And that wasn't technically illegal because Hitler was in charge. Yeah. So he was saying, yeah, bring him on in. Some reported up to as young as 12 years old fighting in war I just no i don't like that i mean they were basically suicide missions yeah that's true um my dad signed up to go to vietnam when he was 17 it's not that we're much talk- different. we're talking about 12 year olds at 12 to 17 you could used to get in the military here at 16 Anyways. okay sorry go on Devin. She just gave me a glare. Uh, like She's like, this isn't the time for you to talk it's time for me to talk no okay i'll be, sh- I'll be quiet now no we want you to talk um, just when tell prompted. me when I'm prompting you now, how would you feel if your 12 year old son Devin doesn't mean that he just wants to try to start an argument. I like it. She says that I'm the devil's advocate. I'll be quiet. Go on. He, he doesn't even want his 21 year old child to go into war. No, not really. They were basically suicide missions and the children that were scared or didn't want to go were executed on site. That's defeating the purpose. Could you imagine being the next kid in line? Like, okay. I, yeah, I'll definitely go. Yeah, I'm so excited. My, not. Friend, my friend was weird to not say yes. I don't know. That's weird. Ugh. I don't like that. Well, there's not much about Nazi Germany that I do like, so. So, by the time they were sending the kids in, this was, like, wrapping up the war in 1945. So, it was, like, desperate times. They had lost massive amounts of soldiers and... So everybody's coming in to kick their ass. So exactly. Yeah. So they were just shoving little kids out there. Um, so after the war, uh, the Hitler youth disbanded and it eventually became outlawed. Um, and that's the story of the Hitler youth. Wow. That was a really fascinating story and scary and creepy. And I got a lot of my information from history.com and Wikipedia and in my research uh, on Wikipedia, there is this crazy cartoon by Disney uh, from 1943 called Education for Death. Oh, no. And they use a boy who defends a rabbit from getting killed in it. Okay. I know. So Interesting. For all the JoJo Rabbit fans out there. I, was, I didn't do a lot of research. In my research, I don't know. In your research, you almost knew. <laughs> I am curious to know if that short film was inspired by... It had to have been. Or inspired the creator, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, if not, that's a great coincidence. It's a short fi- animated film. It's like 
nine minutes long. I recommend watching it. Is it on Disney Plus? It's on <laughs> uh, Wikipedia.com. Search Hitler Youth. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. Be careful. You're going into a government database, by the way, for all your searches of Hitler Youth. So just FYI. Well, well they then, can listen to my podcast. Yeah, the, it's very obvious we're not for it. We're trying to re-up it. Is that what you think? Yes, what I think, Sheridan. <laughs> I know you guys so well, and I think you're Hitler Youth. I'm not youthful anymore. Oops. Oh, you're supposed to say, but I'm not a fascist. <laughs> oh, I'm not, but I'm also not youthful. <laughs> no fascists here, I can tell you for certain. Definitely. It's true. Taryn, that so was wonderful. So that's my story. It was wonderful. I it was I really had no idea. It's weird. It's like I had this image in my mind. Of course the Nazi Germany was trying to conform these children, but I never knew it was like so official. Right. Ooh. What a scary little world. All right, Devin, I think it's your turn. Okay. So you asked me to come up with a little story about something that I that I Googled. And so, you know, um, I, I actually looked through my Google history to see what I've been Googling. And, and it, it was, was all, all really, inappropriate. There's that. And it was also <laughs> really boring. No, I use incognito mode. Uh, this week, <laughs> I did see an article, though, about quantum teleportation that I had looked at. at I think it had been fed to me um, by Google's feed, um, news feed, which if you're an Android user, you know about that. So anyway, I wanted to learn more about quantum teleportation and... Here's what I learned. So okay. Sheridan's sure sure is excited about quantum teleportation. Her jaw is on the floor. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> exactly. So teleportation in our minds is, the first thing that comes to mind is like Star, Star Trek, right? 100%. Like, that's exactly, we teleport, and then you're somewhere, and then you're somewhere else. That's not exactly what quantum teleportation is, so don't get too excited. However, it is still spooky and could lead to something like that in the very far future, in my opinion. Can I ask a question? Have mm-hmm. you ever read A Wrinkle in Time? I don't think I have, actually. Okay. That's all I needed to know. Okay. I won't say anything else if you haven't read it. So. <laughs> all right. Great. All right. So um, quantum teleportation is the idea that you can transmit an object's state, quote, state, from one location to another faster than the speed of light, utilizing a concept called quantum entanglement. Do you guys know much about quantum entanglement? Oh, I know all things about quantum entanglement. Do you know what my degree is in? <laughs> yeah, I'm a professor of quantum entanglement. <laughs> All right, so is that the right word? <laughs> all right, so I'll tell you. So quantum entanglement is a phenomenon so bizarre that even Einstein argued about its existence, famously referring to it as spooky action at a distance. It does sound spooky. Pairs of particles can be inextricably linked so that the state of one can be inferred from the other, no matter how far apart they are. Essentially, this process can be used to instantly teleport information between them over theoretically infinite distances which was Einstein's issue with the idea. It violated the law of general relativity that says nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. Nothing. Nothing. I no, can, right? guys. I can, too. Are you familiar with this? Like, the Einstein and the whole speed of light thing? I, yeah, yeah, I am. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> I mean, Einstein. We can't say no about everything. <laughs> I was Einstein for Halloween last year. Oh. We have to say yes about some things because... 
well, we do have a podcast about Googling, so. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to try to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it down to earth for me and you and for everybody. Thank um, you. The math for quantum entanglement has been around since the 1930s, and it's used in all kinds of practical applications. But because it's very hard to measure really tiny things, it took almost 100 years before we could create experiments in a lab to prove that it works. And even now, we can demonstrate it, but isn't considered to be proven exactly. But is there, this, are exam- there are experiments. This is that. the part in... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. What? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He the um, teleports Mike TV. He sends Mike Uh, TV. Oh yeah, that's true. So thanks to the Willy Wonka. (laughs) Thanks Willy Wonka. That's the extent of my quantum. Thanks Ronald Dahl. All right. So uh, in a nutshell, here's a metaphor for how the explain how the whole thing works. All right. So let's say you've got a cup with two dice in it. Every time you roll the dice, suppose that for some mysterious reason you get doubles. Okay. Okay. So th- if this kind of freaks you out, but no matter how many times you throw, you get doubles, like every time. So you take the cup out on the street and you use it to toss the, the two dice way down the street and they land like 40 feet apart. And then you and your friend go and look and sure enough, they both come up with a five. Crazy. So how can you, so, so next you're like, this is crazy. It seems like these are always the same value. So you put the two dice in a cannon and you, you shoot them in different directions. And one lands in say, Sepulpa our neighboring city, and another one in Sand Springs. We just happen to have a cannon laying around. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> two. two. Yeah, cannons. two cannons. It's PB&J Wait, Otter do you stuff. have to shoot them at the same exact time? Did you time? just say PB&J Otter Yeah, songs? do you know about PB&J Otter? <laughs> I yeah. do know about I used PB- to make the references all the time. Because, oh you know, gosh. like, there was coming these cockamamie ideas. Yeah. And they'd be like, okay, let's do something practical. Well, anyway, in our PB&J Otter scenario, we it. happen to have a cannon to shoot them around in different directions. So you, you send someone out to find them. Now, when, when your one friend shows up and finds the die in Sepulpa somehow, uh, they call you and they say it landed on a two. Well, by this time, you've already n- don't even have to find the die in Sand Springs because what's it going to be? A two. Yeah, because it's a doubles every time. And you're just okay. watching TV on the couch while your friend had to go to Sepulpa. <laughs> Spoiler alert, <laughs> it's a three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now a crazy thing could happen. Let's say in Sepulpa, you pick up the die and lay it back down with a three up. What? What? <gasps> Oh. I said that and you I predicted didn't, that and you didn't even look over did, my cheat notes. I didn't. <laughs> All right, so now if anyone goes and finds Quantum the die, <laughs> physics is proving it right now. If anyone goes to look at the die in Sand Springs, they're going to actually see a three there as well. Oh no! Even though the die state uh, was different at first, it was twos. Now that how did that information go to change the die from one place to the other? Well, Entanglement. That's, that's transportation. The the, the, the die <laughs> state. Of, of the number, it was teleported to the other side. That's it. So these two dies are inextricably linked. All right. Does this make sense so far? Yeah. Kind I, of? A little bit. All right, cool. All right. I'm following. Well, this is how quantum entanglement works. Instead of uh, dice, we're talking about particles. And in the case of doing tests, we're doing them on photons. Oh, um, photons? You know, photons. I, I know about photons. Let's talk about photons. I'm sorry, did you say futons? <laughs> <laughs> Croutons? <laughs> oh, Putin. <laughs> okay, so, so scientists uh, can link two photons and then beam them in different directions. And if the state of one changes, the state of the other changes, no matter how far far apart they are. Like, this actually works, okay? Okay. Um, just scary recently. Okay. I know, I'm scared. It's scary. It actually works. <laughs> scientists have been able to demonstrate this phenomenon with repeatable experiments since the 90s. 
and the most recent example involved a Chinese lab that sent a satellite into space that linked two photons and then transmitted them down to two different points on the Earth. <gasps> they were able to observe that when the state of one pair changed, so did the second. The information was transmitted or teleported over 746 miles. Wait, they took the two photons yeah. up into space well, okay, and beamed them from a satellite 746 miles apart? Yeah, it's really crazy that you can do this, right? So you know how you to stick be, it in you the light to, beam. You know how to beam a photon, right? Yeah. A photon <laughs> is just a particle of light. Which is it a wave or is it a particle? But anyway, so it, you basically got like a laser or something that's shooting it out. And now how they link the two so that they're bonded forever, I don't know the whole mechanics of it, but I know it has to do with freezing temperatures. They shoot them out, and when they go to the observe the state of one, they, they test at the other location where the beam landed, and if its state changed as well then the information was somehow magically, not magically, No, it's pretty magical. Okay. Uh, I have a question about yeah. lasers. Okay. <laughs> I do know a little bit about lasers. Okay. I don't really have a question. I'm just wrapping my mind around everything you're saying. Okay. Well, that's pretty much the whole story. Again, it shouldn't be possible for this to happen. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's been theoretically what we've been saying is how quantum mechanics works for like 100 years. But now we actually have been able to test it, and it like, yep, yeah, that's really reality. Yeah, it's so really possible. if we want to teleport, I mean, it's not the same. They're they're doing two photons, but like, if I wanted to teleport to the beach right now, yeah, we'd have to be able to take every single particle of you and and somehow duplicate it and then transmit them in two different directions and then if we change the state of one your copy would be changed that wouldn't be exactly like star trek where you actually but star trek your is old kind version... of on the same right track though right so if this could actually work in one of your versions you'd have a copy made of what yourself. what if when you get into the light tube thingy yeah <laughs> on star trek that's what it's called you your body is there your copy stays there while you're or yourself stays yeah. there, but your copy goes to where it's being transmitted. That's right. The only way it works is if you murder off the first copy. Why? Right? Oh because then, you, then you've just cloned yourself. Well, then when you beam back, you have to beam back. No, no because you're murdered. And then you'll just beam back into your original murdered if body. All of your, if all of your particles have been duplicated somewhere else, and you're still here, the only way to make you go away here is to then make you disappear, which would mean... By theoretically, if all the state's the same in your copy, it's still you. You know you're you, but you're really the old version of you had to be murdered off. Which, by the way, it reminds me of that magician movie, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. no. Need Where, more info. Yeah, it was about, a, a, um, it wasn't, there was two magician movies that came out about a couple of years back. And one of them, the guy did this trick where he could like move from one space to the other. But then in the basement, he was having to kill off himself, the other copy of himself every time. Is that with Hugh Jackman? I think it's with Hugh Jackman. Okay. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, you can't think of what okay. it's called. That's pretty much how teleportation would have to work in the real world. If this technology actually expanded. It's very creepy. I don't know. I, I'm going to put a hypothesis out there that that doesn't have to be the only way. Okay. All right. Well, but me... it is pretty interesting that so many different types of movies have been made I mean, this, this has been idea. going on for 100 years. Yeah. It's true. Shout out to Mike TV. All right, that's it. That's my story. <laughs> that's really interesting, Devin. Good I job. Like it. Good job. You're welcome. Thanks for being on I'm our show. Sip a beer now. Okay, do you guys want to listen to my story? Yes. Are you guys ready Let's for it, Sheridan? Are you ready for a nap? Drum roll. All right, so I don't know if you guys have been outside lately. No. Um. Yeah, I know you guys stay inside a lot, but... 
Have you all noticed all of the dust in the air? Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. I have been suffering from like headaches and dry eyes and allergies, a lot of sinus pressure. Don't tell me this is about Zyrtec D. It's about, it's about Zyrtec D. It's about Promo the Sahara. code thanks, so I, TC. I, so I did look up the Sahara Desert because yeah. that's what's the yeah. problem right now, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That we have all this dust and Oh, sand. we heard the most excited meteorologist <gasps> on NPR or something. He sounded like he was straight off of Channel 6 news. He was so like pr- meteorologist voice. But what was he excited about? The Sahara Desert Dust coming storm. to America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. He talked about it with such glee. I was, I was like, waiting oh for you to reenact what he was saying. So, <laughs> nope. This nope. story is not about meteorologists or the Sahara Desert, as you might think. I- I'm so disappointed. Me too. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to disappoint you all. Maybe this is going to be disappointing, but this made me research the Dust Bowl. Oh. oh, thanks, guys. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. So I know you all probably know about the Dust Bowl, but mm-hmm. do you know about the Dust Bowl? I know. I actually, I mean, yeah. I, I know the lady sitting there with her kids. And the sure. Dust. That is really actually a picture from the Great Depression. Oh, that's what but I But it was from the same era. Oh, really? Because I was going to say, I read The Grapes of Wrath, but that would only be partially true because I kind of got bored after about the third chapter. I also will talk about The Grapes of Wrath a tiny bit. So. Okay. The Dust Bowl was the name given to the drought-stricken Southern Plains region of the United States, which caused severe dust storms during a dry period in the 1930s. There were high winds and choking dust covering the entire region from Texas to Nebraska, and people and livestock were killed and crops failed across the region. The Dust Bowl intensified the economic impacts of the Great Depression, which was already going on, and it drove many families in a desperate migration in search of work and definitely in search of better living conditions. So after the Civil War, a series of federal land acts brought pioneers westward by incentivizing farming in the Great Plains, and that led to a massive influx of new and really inexperienced farmers across the Great Plains. I looked up that, it was an important part, was that just a bunch of random people, like just settlers and people trying to start farming, and they didn't really know what they were doing, it caused just all this to happen so that it makes me think of our favorite reality show ever the modern day people going out to be pioneers yeah they're like go out here we need wheat for the war all this stuff you can make money i can't imagine coming out here in the dust bowl trying to figure out how to farm right it's so they had no idea what they were doing and it just really made things worse they had to be really desperate so desperate many of these settlers lived by the superstition superstition that rain follows the plow. So immigrants, land speculators, politicians, and even some scientists, not very good ones, believe that homesteading and agriculture would permanently affect the climate of the Great Plains and actually make it more conducive to farming. It would affect it positively. Wrong. (laughs) Oh, how wrong they were. (laughs) This idea was all linked to the Manifest Destiny and a belief that it was the duty of Americans to expand west. A series of wet years during the period before the Dust Bowl created further misunderstanding of the region's ecology and led to the intensive cultivation of lands that couldn't be reached by irrigation. So now we're in the 1930s where the Dust Bowl begins, and it lasts for almost an entire decade. 
So almost 10 years of this craziness is that, just happening. That is really scary. 10 years. 10. I'm just, I just need that to sink in. Sorry. What year was Grandma Frida born? 1933. So she was born during the Dust Bowl. But, however, where we live is not an area of Oklahoma that was affected by the Dust Bowl. So was that more Western? Western. Eastern Oklahoma was not really affected. Not that they didn't experience, like, how we're seeing dust in the air. They still did, but it wasn't the land ripped up and everything. So crops began to fail with the onset of a drought in 1931, and this exposed the bare, overplowed farmland. Without the deep-rooted prairie grass to hold the soil in place, it began to just blow away. Yeah. Just, you know, buy soil. Eroding soil led to massive dust storms through the plains that were called black blizzards. There was a massive dust storm that was two miles high that traveled 2,000 miles before hitting the East Coast on May 11th, 1934. Mm. For five hours, a fog of prairie dirt covered landmarks like the Statue of Liberty and the U.S. Capitol. Have you ever seen photos of this? Yeah. It's so cool. I haven't seen this. I've never even heard of it. You have to look up, up because it's pretty incredible. There's like sailors watching it all happen and it's pretty crazy. I'm going to Google it. If the dust storm that turned daylight to darkness weren't apocalyptic enough, plagues of jackrabbits and grasshoppers descended on the Great Plains and destroyed whatever little tiny crops could grow. To combat the hundreds of thousands of jackrabbits that overran the Dust Bowl states, some towns staged rabbit drives in which townsmen corralled the jackrabbits in pens and smashed them to death with clubs and baseball bats. Okay. That, I, listen, I hear about the, like, the pigs down yeah. in Texas, like, it's becoming an actual issue. Right. So, I under, I respect that, especially yeah. when you're, it's like, it's do or die. Right. It's, so, I just, but really? I know, it seems so violent. Cruel and unnecessary to be so Couldn't violent. could have, like, taken the fur and the meat and, like, actually did something with them? Well, they may so have. many of them. It was like they were garbage. It was just kill bunnies. Kill the bunnies. <laughs> There's a running theme in today's episode. <laughs> it's kill bunnies. If it's not the Nazis, and it's, teleport them. <laughs> it's the Okies. <laughs> so not only are they being overrun by jackrabbits, there are thick clouds of grasshoppers oh that also God. swept over farms. That is literally my worst nightmare. It consumed, they consumed everything. They guar- ate it all. I guarantee you that in all the little churches, they thought that it was about to be the second re- coming of Christ. Because Definitely. that's one of the major plagues. They'd be like, yeah. If I had to be in a cloud of grasshoppers, it's almost as bad as me falling into a date, dark lake water. I, I hate the <laughs> idea so much I could induce I know. an anxiety attack. This sounds attack. a lot worse, actually, than falling into the lake. I think, would they try to eat a human? <laughs> Didn't tell no. me that in my research, but <laughs> but, but Frank, President Franklin Roosevelt said, what the sun left, the grasshoppers took. Ooh. So maybe they did eat people. So this part was really hard for me. So Taryn, just a fair warning. Uh-oh. According to one estimate, there were as many as 23,000 grasshoppers per acre. I don't per know. Per wow. acre. I can't even understand. So, so I was thinking of... What's 23 times 5? That's what I was thinking. Devin, do the math. Hurry. Um, that's going to be approximately... 125,000 yeah. grasshoppers at our old house. Yeah. Just shooting. I know. The National Guard <laughs> was called out to crush the grasshoppers with tractors and burn infested fields. And they also spread an insecticide of arsenic, molasses, and bran. 
a tasty grasshopper tree. <laughs> <laughs> I would be taking that and boiling it and eating my porridge the next like, morning. All of that sounds great. Bran and molasses. That's basically granola, right? If they just left the, the arsenic, arsenic out, yeah. you know, you can eat grasshoppers, right? Listen. There's like a whole movement to eat insects. They were starving. They could have just eaten on grasshoppers. I'm sure they did. As soon as that arsenic came, they were like, thank God, yeah. I can finally leave this hellish earth. I can't. The grasshopper <laughs> part was probably the worst for me. Another thing I found out was that there was so much static electricity built up between the ground and the dust in the air that blue flames leapt from barbed wire fences and people shaking hands could generate a spark so powerful it would knock them to the ground. That's pretty much awesome right there. I know. That's, so cool. That's really cool. <laughs> I'd I be like, like, hi, I- what's up? <laughs> I've had some pretty powerful shocks in my life. I electrocuted myself one time, so... Uh, my ex electrocuted himself for real. No, I really did electrocute myself Did for you real go too. like this and then fall over? I didn't fall over, but I went... Because... <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember in our house that we grew up in, there was a plug on the floor under yeah. the couch and I was cleaning the living room. I moved the couch over and a lamp had been plugged in. And when I moved the couch, I accidentally ripped the cording off of the prongs. Uh-huh. So the prongs were still just stuck in it. Oh. I didn't think anything. Cause I was, you were a baby. I was like 10 ish. And I just was like, well, I can't leave that there. So I went to pick the prongs out and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, and I was probably all alone, so I was just like crying. And I was like, I don't, am I alive? But it was terrifying. I just saw this meme that said, uh, it's like ways couples are torturing each other. And her boyfriend constantly says, like, what if you're in like a coma dream right now? And then like occasionally when she's asleep, he'll be like, I'm here for you. Don't let go. Oh, <laughs> my God. And he's been doing it to it for, like, years. That's mean, but hilarious. Nice what, joke. What if you were in a coma dream? I somet- I've told you that. I sometimes think that, like, what if I really end up? I'm just, like, moving around this world, but I'm really not here. Okay, this is getting way off topic. Sorry. Back to the dust ball. So, electricity in the air. It could uh, short out engines and car radios so motorists would drag chains from the back of their automobiles. It would help to ground their cars. Those who inhaled the airborne prairie dust suffered coughing spasms, shortness of breath, asthma, bronchitis, and influenza. And much like miners, Dust Bowl residents exhibited signs of silicosis from breathing in the extremely fine silt particles, which had high silica content. Dust pneumonia, which was called the brown plague, killed hundreds and was particularly lethal, lethal for infants, children, and the elderly. It sounds lethal. It was lethal. (laughs) So back to John Steinbeck's novel, The Grapes of Wrath. This story actually was kind of obscuring the fact that upwards of three quarters of farmers in the Dust Bowl actually stayed put. It kind of made it seem like more people left, but really people stayed. And if they did leave, they just went to neighboring states. And while farming families migrating to California during the 1930s, like the family in Grapes of Wrath, they were often called Oakies. Wait, is that why you're... Sorry. Yeah. Sub story. Devin, is that why your dad left Oklahoma? Well, I will say that, yeah, my um, my family has a history of moving back and forth from Oklahoma to California to find work um, just along the Great Depression on onward. And in fact, my uh, grandfather... Uh, by the time when my dad was born, he, they had moved off to California to look for work, and they have photographs of them on a 
work farm. Mm-hmm. It was basically like you're like almost like an indentured servant. Yeah. And uh, my grandfather hurt his back and had back problems for the rest of his life after that. But yeah, if you, you should see them. It looked like these little Okies with freckles and red hair, you know, on this little like completely shack. tiny shack in a. Yeah. Find that picture for me. We'll share it. Okay, sure. It's a great photo. That's a good idea. So the people that left and traveled to California were often called Okies. Only one-fifth of them were actually from Oklahoma. And like I said earlier, most of the people who actually migrated to California were from eastern Oklahoma, not from the Dust Bowl states So or area. Okie was a blanket term used to describe all agricultural migrants, no matter their home state. Really? They, they were greeted with hostility and signs such as one in a California diner that read, Okies and dogs not allowed inside. Burn. Right? I mean, that's mean. That is crazy. So by the end of 1939, regular rainfall returned to the region, bringing the Dust Bowl years to a close. However, the economic effects continued, and population declines in the worst-hit counties continued well into the 1950s. Congress established the Soil Erosion Service and the Prairie States Forestry Project in 1935, and these programs put local farmers to work planting trees as windbreaks on farms across the Great Plains. And the Soil Erosion Service implemented new farming techniques that would combat the problem of soil erosion. Interesting. And that's the story I read to make myself feel really terrible for complaining about dry eyes and sinus pressure for that's a few right. days. Why don't you be grateful? I know. I really felt so much better. And after they didn't that. have Zyrtec D back then. No. And I read a few other things. One was like a diary from somebody who lived in the time, and she talked about. They would do dishes and put them in the cabinet, but then when it was time to eat again, they'd have to clean them off again before they ate because dust. Mom would just said cover that's everything. why you put your glasses upside down. Oh yeah, that she talked about that too. That they would put everything upside down, but it just covered everything. Still, she said it took her like one of the article or entries of her diary. She said it took her like three hours to clean everything because it just kept getting dirty again. So. Wow. That's bananas. They didn't always have windows either, right? I mean, there weren't like panes of glass on everyone's house back in those days. That's true. A lot of times it was a a door that was wooden and then wooden shutters as well. So it would come through the cracks. Everything was covered. Yeah, I don't think it was nearly as insulated even. Uh, You didn't have nice hardwood floors either. It was your, a lot of these people, they lived on the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's crazy. That's really interesting. Did you ever read Grapes of Wrath? I did. I thought you might have. I actually read it twice. Anyways. I had to read it twice. <laughs> I didn't read it twice for pleasure. But I, like, forgot. And so I was like, I'm not going to be able to spark note this whole thing. And also a teacher. You're such a teacher. That's true. I Well, I liked getting summer reading assignments, actually. <laughs> she Loser. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, John Steinbeck. I'm going to go read. So right. should we do some tiny goos? Let's do some tiny goos. Uh, the other day, I was on Twitter when I saw this little title called that <laughs> that said, "Experts call for regulation after latest botched art restoration." And Sheridan actually yelled at me. She's like, "Don't talk! You're not googling." So I googled it. <laughs> uh, and did you guys ever hear about the Monkey Christ incident? No. no. You might recognize it. It's a botched paint restoration that kind of. It, like, really took off. Okay, and I it did was see that, yes. Jesus, and the re- restoration was horrendous. Okay. So we'll really post a job. picture. Okay. They ruined the art, basically. Yeah. Well, con- conservationists in Spain are trying to get tighter laws on restoration work 
on famous paintings after the most recent disaster uh, with a, uh, I'm going to botch this, uh, Bartolome Esteban Morello's portrait. That was great. Of a young woman. Okay. And so it's very similar. Like, it shows the original, uh-huh. which when you see these originals, I expected it to be, like, totally missing. They right. look really pretty still. Mm-hmm. And then you see the botched job, and it's unrecognizable. Oh, I mean, no. they're... So, anyways, I thought that was really interesting. That is really interesting. Uh, we'll post some pictures of these botched paintings. Yeah, definitely. I have seen one floating around, and it's pretty awful. It, I mean... I. You just would think these museums or these people who have these paintings wouldn't just hire some. This is what happens when the art is cut from the arts are cut from public school education. There's not great artists. Nobody knows what to do. So then these people are (laughs) botching them. Okay, sorry. No, that's you're not wrong. Don't be sorry. (laughs) You're not wrong. Fund our schools. Fund our schools. Devin, do you have any tiny gooks? Well. I actually do have a tiny goog. All right. Okay, so I, I mentioned before that like I have this feed on my phone. It's like my Google feed, right? And um, instead of talking about things that I Google that are all very boring, uh, I'm going to talk about stuff that shows up in my Google feed, which is personalized for me based upon my search history, uh, things Google Home hears me say, etc., things Facebook hears me say, and then somehow it all goes in the same database. So <laughs> Google thinks it knows me, but I get a lot of oddly specific information based on things that maybe I've searched one time in the past. All right? Okay. This happened to you? No. No, because you don't use this feature. We probably. don't have Android. And Google Home's <laughs> never listening to me. Okay. Well, <laughs> Google Home act in Google thinks I'm very interested in Matthew Perry of Friends for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I am. And so, like, every week I get, like, something more about Chandler Bing. (laughs) I love this. So this week's uh, article, uh, there was a story that involved Chandler visiting a male strip club uh, because he really liked the sandwiches served there. This was, like, this was apparently, this is the headline, that uh, this story had been out there and that Chandler had actually, or Perry, had disliked the idea. I was going to say, is this actually the real man or is this his character? Yeah, this is Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry said he didn't like it and he wanted to nix it. He doesn't want that that whole line there. Uh I thought it would be something about, because you remember there was a strip club theme for a while, right? About eating there? Well, I don't remember eating there, but you remember there was like a, a lot of strip club stuff towards the later seasons. I don't remember if like they date someone dated a stripper. I don't know. I don't remember this. Was on Friends? You guys don't remember this? DM us. Oh Tell wait, it. you know I'm thinking I'm mixing it up with How I Met Your Mother. You remember that theme? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> okay, so that didn't ever happen on Friends. Okay. Um, I'm afraid to say. All right, so that that was the article said it was going to be about. So I clicked on it and I went to read the article. And then you had to go to a strip club website. And first, it gave me a summary of the show Friends, okay. which of course <laughs> I already knew that, and it described Chandler's character. And then it ended with this juicy nugget that <laughs> one time it was it has been reported that Chandler, you know, was able to. It was the t- it was the title of the story. Yes, was it was the basic, end of the story. It was story? just clickbait. It was like oh. there was nothing to it. It was like a no story. You know, try to sell me ads. So I was very disappointed, actually, because I wanted to, like, why did he do it? Was he homophobic? Was it because Chandler, I mean... uh, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, sorry. Because why would he want to, like, get rid of this strip club theme where he was going to mill strip clubs to get the sandwiches? Because I think it's a great idea, I mean, for a show. (laughs) Okay, so we recently rewatched Friends about almost a year ago because it was, I got started when Scarlett was born. It takes a while. It takes a while. And I will say the show is dated as far as PC 
today goes. Oh. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I bet. I bet. There it's are good. You should watch it. Friends? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you never watched Friends? Well, yeah. I've watched Friends. I actually did try starting it and watching each episode, but... It was really hard at first. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. You had to get over the cheese factor, and the laugh track is just horrendous. Yeah. And then one day you don't hear it anymore, and you're like, this show is great. I am the laugh track. (laughs) What about you, Sheridan? Do you have a tiny goog? I do. (laughs) Just Devin's our new host. (laughs) I like it. It was perfect. All right. So, my tiny goog this week is from a friend posting on Facebook one of those. Type this and then your birthday or your birth year. Mm, so you. I like them. They're usually really funny. I've, I've done a tiny goog about this. Yes, I know. That's We're only I... seven episodes in. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> so this one was Google Florida man and your birthday. So I did. And mine says July 2nd, Florida man sits on gun, shoots himself in penis. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you guys to do it. Okay. So here. Oh, actually do it right now on yeah. the fly? Yeah, so we're going to do, do it. Florida so I already man. typed, started it for you. So then just type in your birthday. And then read the first headline that comes up. Uh-oh. Uh, it was like summaries. Oh, no. Taryn's birthday brought nothing. Was she supposed to put her year in as well? No, or just, just the, the date. So you were oh. too oddly specific. Oh, Taryn. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> screwing your fun party up. <laughs> June 19th. Florida man 72 tries to mow down neighbor with tractor during <laughs> dispute. Perfect. Cops say. Cops say. All right. Devin's birthday. She's just doing it for me. That's fine. A Florida man says his pregnant wife saved his life in home invasion with an AR-15. Ooh. Oh, yeah, she did. Uh, awesome. That's all I had. I just thought that was so <laughs> okay, funny. But, but hold on. The second one on Devin's is Florida man arrested for spitting food into mouth of woman during road rage. That is horrifying. Can you imagine? Especially in this time of coronavirus. I can't imagine. Oh, they don't believe Why in coronavirus. Why don't you click on that and see what's happening there? I want to know about that story. That's what I'm going to Google for next week. <laughs> Please don't spit food into people's mouth. We still need to be wearing our masks and... Taking all the precautions for coronavirus. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. It's the least you can do. It's the least you can do. Well, that was awesome. Thank you, Devin, for being on our show this week. You're welcome. That was so fun to have a guest. I like it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> you can't. Don't leave me hanging. <sighs> I just feel like. Good. Bye. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. 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 Can I do it with you? (laughs) No.